Love never changes. That's next on Sound Doctrine. Your spirit leads me on And I'm running after you I'll leave behind the worthless love And I'm trading them for priceless truth We hear a lot about love these days and while many view it merely as a warm, gushy feeling that comes and goes in a moment's notice, the Bible portrays it in a far different light. Today on Sound Doctrine, we go deeper into 1 John chapter 2 and deal with a couple of verses that speak volumes about God's love and how it motivates us to obey His commands and steer clear of sin. Let's join Pastor Jeff Johnson there now for his message called Love Never Changes. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 2 as we're continuing on in 1 John 2. It's interesting, as you're turning to 1 John chapter 2, the word love has really lost its meaning and its value, especially our English word for love. There's kind of just one meaning. You know, I mean, at one moment we can say, honey, I love you with all of my heart. But then the next moment we can turn around and say, but I love tacos. And she looks at you and says, you mean you love me like you love tacos? I mean, the word love just, just doesn't get it. It lacks depth and meaning. But in the Greek, I love it because the Greek is very upfront. It, it gets into it. And it gives us three basic words for love in the Greek. The first one is eros, which is where we got our word erotica, and that tells you where that's going, a sexual Hollywood type of love, which I might add was not mentioned once in the scriptures, eros. And then there is phileo. Phileo is mentioned a few times in the scriptures. It's, it's brotherly type of love, a, a close relationship, really the strongest love that a human being can have in this world outside of Jesus Christ, phileo. And then there's God's love, which is all over the Bible. It's everywhere throughout the New Testament. Agape, agape in the Greek. It's unconditional love. It's sacrificial love to love the unlovely. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's love. It's powerful love. John's been giving us three words for our new relationship in Christ as we've been going through 1 John. And uh, these three relationships is life, love, and light. All three we're going to be getting into. But John right now is dealing with God's love in this portion in chapter 2. To love his way is to walk in his light, to experience 
his life. Notice I emphasize his. If we want to walk with God, if we want to walk in the light and have real life, not just this breathing physical life, I'm talking about abundant life that Jesus talked about, then we've got to go his way. We're to love one another, which I might add is, includes, you know, I mean, your neighbor. Oh, not that guy. <laughs> that guy and his dog? You've got to be kidding. You know, that guy and his, and his son and whatever, you know. We can, we can go off on that one for a while. Neighbor? But God's command has always been to love. It's interesting, John himself, as he's writing this, he was called beloved of the Lord, very close to Jesus. Uh, when he wrote the Gospel of John, that's why we always ask those that have just received Christ to get into the Gospel of John, first of all, because it'll bring you in a close, intimate relationship as John was with the Lord, so you will have as you go through this incredible Gospel. John wrote of himself, he said, oh, the one who Jesus loved. You see, John knew that Jesus loved him. Wow. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know what a comfort that is? What a blessing that is? That's what he said. John practiced God's love. Here he calls his readers brethren, but the word brethren, and this is, we're starting in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 2. He says, brethren. And in the Greek, it's, it's beloved. That's the meaning there. Beloved brethren <laughs> in verse 7. Interesting, because John was not always the apostle of love. In fact, when you look deeper into his life, Jesus called him and his, and his brother who wanted to torch a village. They said, Lord, let's just torch them. Nuke them. <laughs> and the Lord goes, hey, back off, guys. Well, they won't receive you. And that's over in Luke 9, verse 51 through 56. You see, the Lord was setting his face towards Jerusalem. Interesting, he decided to go up through Samaria. And when he got into Samaria, they would not receive him because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. And they knew he was a Jew going to Samaria, or up through Samaria to Jerusalem, so they rejected him. And the apostles were to go before him, and they, they just said, Lord, let's just, they're, they're not being obedient. They're rebellious. Let's, let's burn them. <laughs> Man, that's pretty wild. He said, and I love what he said there in uh, Luke 9. Let me read it to you. He says, for the Son of Man, Jesus rebuked them and said, for the Son of Man has come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. I mean, what do you mean, nuke them, burn them, destroy the village? <laughs> Where are you coming from? But, you know, a lot of us get in that mode. It's not the spirit of Christmas, is it? The spirit of Christmas is to bring forth life in those around us. God's love. It's like husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Wives, just submit to your husbands. I love what, what uh, Paul writes to those in Ephesus, and, and he says right there, the final of chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, and he points everyone out 
you know, and points this all out. So love his wife even as himself. And that the wife see that she reverence or respects her husband. This is God's love. It changes everything. It changes the family. It changes the way you get along in the home and what you say to each other and what you do. This is agape love. Let me give the, the kind of the definition of agape. It's to love God. It's really simple. To love God and one another. Over in uh, Mark chapter 12, you can jot these down, verse 28 They asked him, what is the first commandment of all? What's the greatest of all? And Jesus kind of summed it up, Mark 12, 29. He said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he added, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it, it's, this, it's right equal with it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Very interesting, his definition here. He actually combined Deuteronomy 6.5 in the Old Testament and Leviticus 19.18 together as he put the greatest commandment is right here. In our text, in 1 John 2, 7, John says, Beloved, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. And remember, when John started this epistle in chapter 1, verse 1, he said, That which was from the beginning. He was always starting everything from the beginning. Because if you've got a problem with the beginning, you've got a problem with everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you can make it past that verse, man, you got it made from there on out. That's the beginning. But then he says here in verse 7, which you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, verse 8, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. John says it's old, but it's new. <laughs> what is he? He's suffering from Alzheimer's, you know? I don't know. It's old, but it's new. You know, hi, I never met you before. I'm your wife, you know, and okay, well, anyhow. He's going through it. No, that's not what he's going through here. The Greek here is always great in clarifying little things like these new, old, but now I'm giving it to you new. And it clarifies it. What do you mean? Well, the Greek here, there's two meanings. The first one is in verse 7, new, as far as in time itself, in time. The second meaning, new, is in quality. It's like, look at my new car. I mean, that, you know, look at it. You know, it's new. Okay, fine. But this car, it's going on, radically is different. <laughs> it's a new revolution in cars. Oh, okay. So it's new in quality. See, there's two different meanings for the word new in the Greek. 
It's like our two words, recent and time. Recent means time, uh, but then there's that English word fresh, which, which talks about quality. We're having a fresh and easy built over where we're at. What does that tell you? It's quality stuff, man. You just come in and get it. Fresh and easy. But so there's a difference between these two words. New in character. So to love one another is not new in time, but it is new in character, in what it means now. Christ has revolutionized God's agape love. He gave it new meaning. Over in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, just jot it down, verse 10. John 15, 10. If, Jesus says, you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Then in John 15, 12, he goes on to say, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a powerful statement. Because then you got to go back and study how Christ loves us. And study that and find out how did he love us. That's how we're to love one another. So verse 7 of 1 John 2, its whole emphasis is the new. But he's talking about, remember in verses 3 through 6 of 1 John 2, we talked about the commandments of the Lord. In other words, he talked about various commandments. Here in 1 John 2, 7 and 8, he singles out one commandment. In the Old Testament, love was one of many commandments, okay? So here it's been given top priority, or you might even say it's preeminent. It's the most important thing of everything else. There's nothing greater than agape. Wow. Paul, speaking to those in Rome, in Romans 13, verse 8, says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if any be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. It fulfills all the law. Wow. That is a heavy thing for Jesus to say. Here's why John is saying. His love received in Christ stops us from what? Lying. Love received in Christ stops us from stealing from others. You don't want to kill them. You just can't. You don't want to. Maybe they deserve it. <laughs> Maybe they've done something really horrible. But you just don't want to kill them. It's a love 
for God, and he makes it clear it's a love for others. So God's love motivates us to obey his commandments. We serve God not out of fear, but because of his love. That's why I wanted to sing that song this morning. Because of his love in our lives. Paul was sharing with Timothy, and Paul, giving this instruction to young Timothy, said in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't motivate or move out of fear. You know, it's not like God is a, a, like some dads, you know, over your head with a paddle or threatening, and if you don't, I'm going to knock your block off, you know. You got a dad that you're running in fear of. I remember when I was a kid, when I could run, I ran from him as he's running behind me, you know, wanting to just, you know, if he ever cornered me, I was toast. And he did corner me a couple of times. That was fear, man. That was fear. But we, we haven't been given a spirit of fear in this God relationship. No, but of power, of love, and of a sound or disciplined mind. We know exactly what we're to be doing because God gave us that mind when you came into Christ. You know exactly what's going to get you motivated and turned on for the Lord. But a lot of times we don't choose to do it. But he gave us a spirit of a disciplined mind. In other words, you know what you're to be doing. You just need to get about doing it. (laughs) Just do it. Don't ask questions. Be obedient. So God's love is new because it's priority. It's new because I accepted Christ into my life. That's when his love begins. You know, in B.C. days, I always like to mention those days, before Christ, I didn't love anybody but me. I wanted everything for myself. You know, when I was in line, I always butted. I want to go first. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I would just get out there and do it. It's all about me, myself and I. But then when Jesus came into my heart, I'll never forget it. I was standing in line, and this older lady was having problems with her groceries, and this was going on, and that was going on. I just, I just said, can I help you? And, and, and you know, and, and it's not the Boy Scout thing, you know. It's not that. It's all of a sudden I, I cared about her. I said, wow, this is not me. And I'm helping her out to her car with her groceries, and I never did stuff like that. I, I didn't care about anybody. All of a sudden, I'm starting caring about people and people that are struggling and, and need help. That's God's love. And I realized something heavy has come into my life that's changing my life. It's true. You, you check this out. In, in 1 John, turn a chapter. 1 John 3, verse 14. We'll get to it, but I just want to cheat a little bit. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life, that's life in Christ, because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abideth in death. 
And what I think we hear a lot of times is your brother is your fellow Christian brother. And it's easy to love your fellow Christian brother because they're, they're kind of like, okay, they're part of our family. We got to get along with them. And, you know, they're just, you know, brothers. You're stuck with brothers, man. You just got to get along, you know. You could say that. But he, he's not talking about that here. If you're, you're being a child of God, you're born again. Do you love the ungodly? And that, when he's talking about love the brethren, he's talking about your neighbor too. Not just your brother. He's talking about everybody. Do you love the unlovely? This is how the world will get witness to. Is that we reach out to those that are unlovely. By also loving one another. Jesus added that. Because when we love one another, they're knowing that we're his disciples. Because they see our love to one another. And to them. It's a witness. So it's everyone. We were born into sin, David cried out. He said, hey, Psalm 51.5, I was conceived in my mother's womb in sin. From my mother's womb in sin. I was born into it. It's every human being is born into sin. It's a horrible thing, but blame Adam. He's the one that really blew it. And we paid the price. But God had another plan, didn't he? To take those who are in this sinful nature and turn it around and give them a new nature in his son. A baby is like an unsaved person. What do you mean? Well, they're dirty. Sometimes they stinketh. They're loud when, they, when you don't want them to be. <laughs> they're self-centered big time. And very rebellious. Titus, over in Titus chapter 3, as Paul is writing there to Titus in verse 3, he says, And we ourselves, B.C. days, also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving dire's lusts and pleasures, lying in malice and envy, we were hateful and we hated one another. <laughs> Boy, what a, what a list there. We just hated one another. We loved ourselves but hated one another. These are works of the flesh that the Bible talks about. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, Paul mentions here in Romans 8, 13, he says... If you live after the flesh, you're going to die. And he's talking about eternally. But if you through the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, do put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to live. See, the only way we can really and truly experience fullness of life is to deal with the enemy. It's our own flesh. And to put mortify is to put to our account that Jesus died and when Jesus died I believed in him I died with him so I died to myself but nevertheless I live because 
of, of Jesus. He lives. Because I live, you shall live also. But we, we need to identify with his death. That's so important. Thank you for tuning in to today's message by my Saba, my grandpa, Pastor Jeff Johnson, the founding pastor of Calvary Chapel Downey. To listen to more messages by Pastor Jeff, visit sounddoctrineradio.org or download the app Sound Doctrine Podcast on the App Store. God bless you. Well, as many of you know, we've been on the radio for quite some time. And in order to pull off something like this, we must depend completely on the Lord. His provision often comes through caring Christians, and for that we're grateful. To stand with us today with a gift of any amount, simply go to sounddoctrineradio.org and then click Give in the top right corner. Well, Pastor Jeff has written quite a few books. One of them is Jonah, More Than a Whale Tale. If asked, would you say you're running from God or to God? And that's really the question you'll carefully consider in this book as you journey through Jonah with Pastor Jeff. You'll observe God's mercy and compassion poured out onto both Jonah and the Ninevites. God longs to bless each and every one of us. And he also desires that we share his love with those that don't know him. Jonah would learn that the hard way. Order a copy of Jonah, More Than a Whale Tale, when you call 800-353-7553 or visit us online at sounddoctrineradio.org. Glad you've taken time out for today's study in 1 John. Come back next time. This program is presented by Calvary Chapel Downey and online at sounddoctrineradio.org. So far,